Yeah, but to do the wrong thing or, or do something that doesn't make much sense simply because Congress can never agree on a piece of legislation, if the president has the authority to avoid that, it just makes sense for him to do it, which I think is what he's done. If you want to see what this problem is, take a Saturday night and go to an emergency room down in southern New Mexico or El Paso or wherever you want to go, and you can see what the problem is as far as how it's affecting the folks in, in the United States. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Craig Williams coming to you from Southern California. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court. My co-host, Bob Ambrosi, is off probably skiing in Denver somewhere today. But before we introduce today's topics, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Clio, an online practice management software program for lawyers at goclio.com. Today's topic on November 20th, President Obama announced his intention to execute an executive order potentially offering deferred deportation for nearly 5 million illegal immigrants. Since that time, opposing forces have challenged the constitutionality of such action. Perhaps the most significant challenge is the lawsuit filed in federal court by nearly 20 states. In it, they allege violations of Article 2, Section 3 of the United States Constitution, as well as the Administrative Procedure Act. But who's right? Is President Obama violating our long-held separation of powers between the executive branch and the legislative branch, or is he justified in taking the actions that he did under the United States Constitution? Well, here to discuss this topic, we'd like to welcome former United States Senator Byron L. Dorgan. Senator Dorgan served as a congressman and senator for North Dakota for nearly 30 years before retiring from the United States Senate in 2011. He served in the Senate leadership for 16 years and was chairman of the Senate committees and subcommittees on the issues of energy, aviation, appropriations, water policy, and Indian affairs. Today, Senator Dorgan is a senior policy advisor at Arendt Fox, where he co-chairs the firm's government relations practice. In addition, he's a visiting professor at Georgetown University, where he lectures on energy and environmental issues as well, and he's also a senior fellow with the Bipartisan Policy Center, a think tank in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, Senator Dorgan. Thank you very much. Happy to be with you. And in addition, we've got joining us today New Mexico State Senator Steve Neville. He is currently serving as in District 2 and has been in the New Mexico State Senate since 2004. Prior to that, he served as a county commissioner in San Juan County from 1997 to 2004. He was on the city commission of the city of Aztec from 1995 through 1996 and county chairman for the San Juan Republican Party from 1990 to 91. He's been self-employed with his own company, Invest Inc., a real estate consulting and investment organization since 1995. Welcome to the show, Senator Nabil. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, before we get started today, we want to thank Texas State Senator Jose Rodriguez for making himself available to us in a separate interview when he was unable to make today's show. We're going to share some of that interview with our guests and get their reactions. Thank you, Senator Rodriguez, for your contribution. Well, gentlemen, let's start with Senator Neville. Why hasn't New Mexico joined this lawsuit against the federal government with the other states? It seems like uh, there are a fair number that are interested in this. 
Well, there is, and, and I suspect that our administration, our governor is a Republican governor, Governor Martinez, who was just reelected uh, for her second term uh, during the election last month. Uh, I suspect she would be interested in doing that. However, in New Mexico, we we tend to be about a 50-50 state as far as uh, political um, activity, 50% Democrat, 50% Republican. Our current attorney general, who would be the person that would have to initiate uh, that action, is uh, is uh, Gary King, who's a, from a longtime Democrat family. So uh, I suspect that it has more to do with the politics of the situation than uh, the desires of the current governor. Well, Senator Dorgan, let's ask you the, uh, the question that's really an intellectual one, I guess, here is what's the constitutional basis for this action and what, is he right? Can Obama issue this executive order? Well, the executive order really is about enforcement priorities. And, uh, you know, uh, not, not just President Obama, but uh, President Bush, both President Bushes and, and other presidents have used executive orders as well. My guess is that this would uh, be sustained. I, I, but, you know, there's a a barrel full of politics on all side of this, sides of this immigration issue. There's no question about that. But the country needs immigration reform, and it seems incapable of getting it done in the Congress. As you know, the Senate passed an immigration reform bill on a bipartisan basis 500 days ago or so, and uh, but it just couldn't move uh, through the House. And so the president has taken some action on uh, enforcement priorities especially, uh, and those priorities include not breaking up families. And so, I, you know, I, I think it was a, a reasonable thing to do. And um, the Congress can easily deal with it by passing legislation that would preempt it if they wish. But my guess is that uh, it's very hard for the Congress to do that. Well, Steve, how is it that the uh, that other states around New Mexico are reacting to this? Well, I think uh, I think Texas, I understand, has joined the lawsuit. I'm not sure about the other states, uh, Colorado, Arizona, so forth. But uh, you know, in our part of the world, the immigration issue is is very uh, very serious. It's it's taxing all of our social programs and so forth. Uh, uh, we we have a lot of concern on it uh, in New Mexico, in Texas, I'm sure in Arizona as well. Arizona has been very active, proactive as far as trying to deal with their immigration immigration problems over there. Uh, we. Uh, in New Mexico, we've got a very, in fact, we are a minority-majority state. We have, with the Hispanic population and the uh, Native American population, we are actually a minority-majority state. Uh, so our politics are significantly different than our adjoining uh, populations, our adjoining states, their populations. It, it makes for an interesting uh, uh, situation. We all get along well in New Mexico, but we certainly have a different political outlook than uh, a lot of our states in the southwest here. Since you were discussing Texas, let's turn to Senator Jose Rodriguez. We asked him what he thought about Texas and the nearly 20 other states bringing their immigration lawsuit against the federal government. This was his reaction. I think it is a political document of a lawsuit. It's not a legal document as such. It really, I think, is pretty clear that given the precedence in, the, in recent history that President Obama is well within his presidential authority to issue such, a, such an executive order. You know, we all know that the president executes and enforces the, the laws of the United States. And like all other uh, laws, uh, immigration laws are also subject to, to discretionary authority. Byron, what's your thought about that? Well, I think he's right. I, I, I think that is the case. That's why I think ultimately the legal challenge will not succeed and why if um, the Republicans in the Congress, who now control both the House and the Senate, can easily overcome this executive order simply by passing legislation that they choose to pass on immigration. 
And l let me just say that, you know, there are several different elements to these issues on immigration, and that's why they're so controversial. Number one, we have limits on who can come into this country um, because, uh, you know, if, if we said to the rest of the world, you're all welcome to come here. Come here, join us, be with us, work here, uh, play here. Well, you know, we would be overrun by people in, you know, from across the world who want to come here. So we, you know, we're very concerned about Americans living here who have jobs. Uh, we don't want it undermined by massive numbers of people who come willing to take those jobs for much less uh, money. And so that's one element of this. It's very controversial. But the second is, and the reality is, we have 12 million people or so here that are not here legally, and the fact is nobody is going to round up 12 million people and deport them. That, that's just not a practical thing to have happen. And so then the, the question is, what do you do? Well, that's what the, the president was addressing, is deferred action for certain classes. And and uh, he's made that judgment. I think it's a reasonable judgment with respect to not breaking up families. Well, Steve, New Mexico shares a border with, with Mexico, and it, it also is bordered by Arizona and Texas, where everybody's right. up in arms about it and saying that this is a the borders become a war zone. How is yeah. it in New Mexico? We have our problems. We have uh, certainly an excess of 100,000 in our population. New Mexico is a small population state. We're just a shade over 2 million. So it's a significant percentage of our population that are people who are here illegally. And they are in our schools, they're in our hospitals, they're in our uh, all of the social programs and so forth. And we, we certainly... Uh, I certainly agree with what the senator said. It's not a practical matter to round up 100,000 people in New Mexico or 12 million around the country and try to send them back to Mexico or South America or wherever they came from. And, and I don't uh, disagree with what the president's, the particulars of what the president put in there. I would debate a few issues, but the concept is not necessarily a bad concept. Uh, I do disagree that uh, it was, uh, whether it was legal or not, I suspect that uh, it, it's a, it's a pretty serious, and, and I'm not saying that President Bush didn't do the same thing. I think some of our executives tend to overstep their bounds, uh, both in the governor level. I've dealt with it over two different parties of governors, uh, as well as uh, presidents. I think they've uh, significantly overstepped their bounds of what the constitutional allowance, uh, allowances are for separation of powers. And I really uh, hope that the lawsuit has some traction because uh, uh, whether it's legal or not, somehow we have to have some methodology for deciding what is the separation of powers. Well, we'd like to uh, involve Senator Rodriguez again. You mentioned something that Byron talked about with the separation of families in, in the immigration policy. We asked State Senator Jose Rodriguez how he felt about the current immigration policy and, and separation of families. Here's his reaction. You know, longstanding immigration policy has always has always supported the unification of families. Uh, it's only been until recent years when the country turned towards the Republican principles of opposing immigrants at every step of the way that we have now removed ourselves from that longstanding principle. Even President Obama, as a matter of fact, has done more as we all know, to deport immigrants than any other president in, in, in history. Well, we also have the, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Act that Congress passed. It started a humanitarian crisis, some people are claiming, because it's creating a magnet for the illegal immigration of children, causing this problem. Uh, Byron, what's your thought? 
You know, I don't know the answer to that. I I, I read about that. I, you know, I'm, I don't live in a state that's on the southern border. I understand what Steve is describing in terms of, uh, you know, social services and all the claims on uh, things you have to do for people who live in your state. And that those those are real issues and real burdens. Um, I, I don't know uh, whether what has been done in the past has, has produced substantial incentives for additional children to come here. Uh, this executive order deals with a different issue, and that is the, the issue of children who are here who are citizens or have legal status and under enforcement policies of the past would say, we're going to break up that family and force the parents to leave if the parents were not here legally. So that's what the president was trying to do with this executive order. Again, I think it's a reasonable thing to do. Uh, I'm a legislator, so frankly, I would prefer legislation or, or the legislative body deal with this. But as you know, the gridlock in Washington has been persistent, and uh, the, the, they just cannot pass in the Congress an immigration bill. And by the way, just very quickly, uh, John Boehner and Mitch McConnell now have majorities, and they could spend next week and the week after or all of January and pass an immigration bill if they choose to do so and with one swell one swoop be able to um, undermine or displace rather replace what the president has done by the executive order but I don't think they'll be able to do that or will do that Steve what's your sense of how it works what is the priority here if if uh, the executive order stays in place that's that's the existing law right I'm not a lawyer, so I can't tell you exactly what the ramifications are. If it stays in place and, and there's no challenge or no uh, overturning of it, yes, it would stay in place and it would be the law of the land for the time being. But the fact that there's gridlock does not circumvent our Constitution. And that's that's what I think uh, many of us who are more conservative uh, and, and strong constitutional – or believers in strong constitutional authority – uh, are opposed to, and not just this president, but any president that tries to circumvent the process of law, irregardless of gridlock. I know that, yes, it's, it's terrible back there. And, and to us trying, to, we see it all the time. Some of the things we want to see done can't seem to happen because of the gridlock in D.C. But that does not circumvent the, the basis of our country that has made us the most prosperous, the most successful country on, in history, for that matter. But, you know, let me just make the, the point here on the constitutional issues. Uh, you know, I know that's used a lot these days, but the fact is, uh, you know, we've been at war multiple times without a declaration of war. Uh, th that too is a constitutional issue. There, but, but I don't think this rises to that point. I, I think the lawyers have studied this substantially before the order was made. I think the order will stand, and the courts interpret this, of course. But I, I, I think this will survive. And then I hope the Congress will pass a new immigration law. But they should. That's where it should happen. Well, we also asked that question to Senator Rodriguez, what he thought about uh, President Obama and whether his action violated the Constitution and the Administrative Procedure Act. So let's turn to him and, and get his thoughts. I support the notion that every country has its own sovereignty and has its own boundaries as such, but I do not support investing billions of dollars on, on unnecessary barriers and structures such as our, our fence in the southern border that I think all experts have concluded has not really effectively deterred immigration. Um, I'm suggesting to you that in Texas right now, our Republican state leadership is spending millions of dollars in more, quote, border security. The fact is, I think anybody who is sensible, that has common sense, including the experts, will tell you that you cannot shut down the border 
So there will always be immigration. Well, Senator Dorgan, what's your thought about Senator Rodriguez's perspective? Well, it is not a futile attempt to try to police our border. We, we certainly want to make certain that terrorists don't come across, right? Uh, this is a new age and new threat to our country in the last uh, couple of decades. So you, you need border security for a lot of reasons, one uh, especially uh, the issue of terrorism. But uh, we want to limit the number of people coming into the country to the quotas that we have uh, that are reasonable, in my judgment. Uh, but I don't, I don't think we should give up on the notion of reasonable border security. However, I was in the Congress in 1986 when they passed uh, the immigration bill called Simpson-Mazzoli, and that was going to be the nirvana. That was going to solve all the issues, right? The issue was make certain that no one hires someone who's not here legally, and therefore they're not going to come here to aspire for, uh, to have a job that doesn't exist. But, of course, that turned out to be a significant failure, and there have been iterations of immigration change since then. None of them have worked very well. Uh, the president has taken some action, controversial, I understand, but um, again, I, I'm a broken record on this. The Congress should have every opportunity and a responsibility to pass its own legislation and make judgments about this. Well, thank you, gentlemen, and we need to take a quick break, and before we move on to our next segment, we'll hear a message from our sponsor. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? No. With most cloud computing providers, moving your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And even if you have an existing legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O dot com. Well, welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams, and with us today is former United States Senator Byron Dorgan from North Dakota and current New Mexico State Senator Steve Neville. Senator Dorgan, before the break, you were discussing uh, the issues with this, with the constitutionality and the capability of Congress to be able to pass its own laws. Is that really the, the reaction to President Obama's immigration executive order? Is it just simply saying, well, Congress can do it on its own or the, the United States Supreme Court can overturn the executive order? Otherwise, we're stuck with this? Well, I think that was his intention, was to confront Congress with this, to say, uh, if you don't do it, I will do it through executive order. And uh, if, if you don't like it, then pass some legislation that will uh, write over it, you know. To, but I, I think that was the president's intent, frankly. I don't think he nor his uh, advisors, his legal advisors, would decide, let's try to figure out what might be unconstitutional and do it. And they're very careful about that. I think they, they clearly, by precedent, uh, have have the right here, and I respect the fact that um, you know that the, the courts have to interpret this ultimately. But I think they will interpret this as well within the president's right. 
Well, Steve, there are several states along the southern border that share a border with Mexico, which is a large genesis of the problem. Uh, Senator Dorgan's state, North Dakota, shares a border with Canada, but not the same level of issues with immigration. What about the social load on the southern states? Is there some type of compensation that's going to be coming your way as a consequence of this executive order? What kind of help are you going to be getting? No, we don't, we don't anticipate any compensation or help from the executive order. The executive, order, uh, executive orders are intended to enforce what is an existing law that's on the books and uh, where there's a hole or something like that. And so the interpretation here is that uh, we don't have what we need in place to deal with the problem, and, that, and that's partially true. But if President Obama does not like the legislation that Congress comes up with, then he can veto it and continue with his executive order. So ultimately, it puts him in a position of writing law, which is not exactly what we intend our, our Constitution intends for presidents to do. That's why many of us are so concerned about the legalities or the, or the properness of whether this executive order should be, should be done or not. On a major issue, an executive order should never be in place. Uh, those were designed to basically fill in holes or to patch things up where, where there was questions or, or absence of law, I guess you might say. I think we have laws in the books. Laws in the books say that you can't come here without being legally admitted into the country. These people are technically all illegal. We all are compassionate. And I've supported legislation here in New Mexico to deal with the kids of these people that uh, they're trying to go to school, they're trying to go to college. Uh, we, we don't keep them out of school. We don't deny them uh, food at the at the the, you know, the morning breakfast thing for kids that come in without without money and so forth. So we, we have passed laws and supported policies that deal with that because we do have a large population of relative to our total population of the state. So we're not a uh, we're not cruel or, or cold hearted or anything in New Mexico, but we, we do believe that we've got to secure the border. We've got to have uh, proper laws in place and they just don't exist or they're not being enforced at this point. But you know, let me just make the point. I, I mean, most of us who don't come from Arizona or Texas or New Mexico or southern states uh, in which immigration is a very serious problem, I don't think we always understand fully the, the burden of those states to provide health services and all, you know, all the other things that, uh, that come about uh, and, and they're responsible for when you have this kind of illegal immigration. So that's why it's important to try to stop the illegal immigration from coming into this country. But the, this issue really is, do, do we really want those who are here, children especially who are here legally, do we want to decide that the proper approach on enforcement is to uh, begin with their parents? and break up those families, or should we make that the last priority? I mean, that's really what the president is doing. He's creating deferred action for parents of certain youngsters who are here legally, and that makes sense to me because we don't have the funding and you don't have the capability in the federal agencies to make any kind of a dent in the 12 million who are here illegally. So why not start at, you know, put at the end of the line those circumstances that would break up families? That's not, a, that's not the sort of thing we want to be doing. And that's what the president's done by creating these priorities um, on enforcement actions. Yeah, and I agree that that's not what we want to be doing. It's just a matter of, of process and procedure. And this, in my mind, and in the mind of many people, was not the right process or procedure. The Border Patrol is not out there rounding up uh, parents of these kids and leaving the kids sitting in the shack and, and hauling them back across the border. 
as, as some people might want to perceive, that's not at all happening. And there is a lot of compassion in the Border Patrol people and, and the local people that, uh, that live with these uh, folks in New Mexico, Texas, Arizona. Uh, we all understand the situation. We're not going to deport, in this case, five or six million, whatever the, uh, the number is of, of families that are, that are here. They're kind of mixed families. Some are legal, some are not. Uh, we're not in, anticipating that or in, uh, advocating for that at all. It's just procedural, and it's a, it's, it goes beyond just immigration. It goes to the basic constitutional mandates of our country. Yeah, but to, to do the wrong thing or, or do something that doesn't make much sense simply because Congress can never agree on a piece of legislation, if the president has the authority to avoid that, it just makes sense for him to do it, which I think is what he's done. Well, and isn't this really anything, nothing more than just simply determining what your priorities are? This not to deport memo out of the, out of one of the departments within the executive branch is really just a, is it any different than the federal government saying we're not really going to prosecute marijuana? Well, probably not. It's, uh, I, I suspect the Border Patrol has, has been looking the other way for a long time. I know they have. Uh, uh, I've lived on, on the southern border uh, all my life and uh, for many, many years, uh, there was virtually no enforcement of the border at all. Uh, we had uh, uh, migrants from Mexico coming in as farm laborers. They'd work the farms and they'd go home in the in the fall and, and wait out the winter and then come back in the spring. And it's been a way of life in, in the southern part of the, this country for a long, long time, particularly with migrant farm work, workers. Uh, then it started getting worse and worse as the economies changed in the southern uh, South America and Mexico and so forth. Uh, and, and there's a lot of, I have a lot of compassion. I've been in Mexico. It's, it's, it's a bad situation for, for the people that live down there. A lot of South America is the same way. Everybody who's been down there can understand why they want to get here. And, uh, certainly I can too. And we need to make provisions so that we do this legally, properly, uh, partly to help those people that are trying to get here legally and uh, as well as to protect the way of life for the, for the U.S. citizens. And that's what the Constitution does, and that's why it's important that we try to follow it to the letter if we can. Byron, is there any real adverse effect on North Dakota as a consequence of immigration? Not really. I mean, we share a uh, long border with Canada on the northern border, as you know. And, uh, you know, we, we want to be careful that we don't have terrorists come in the back door here. Uh, so we have to have border security there, but we don't have an avalanche of uh, people coming across the northern border. The, the principal uh, issues have been on the southern border, and for predictable reasons. I've traveled all over that region, you know, in, in Mexico and, and uh, uh, Honduras and the south. And the fact is, uh, a lot of people there have a great, a great deal of difficulty making a living and providing for their families, and so they head north, hoping to find a job uh, in the United States. And many of them are wonderful people; they send money back home, and so on. Uh, on the other hand, we need, to, you know, the reason that that we don't have, uh, we don't just throw down the gates and say to everybody, come here. We need to make certain that we have jobs uh, for Americans as well. And our economy has been through a tough time; it's not yet fully recovered, although it's certainly recovering and showing some health. But we need to care about um, the American citizens that have access to good job opportunities. And so that's why we have uh, limitations on immigration. Now, we're, tr we're talking about two things. One, how do we deal with people who are already here illegally, about 12 million of them, and we're not going to round them all up and deport them. That's just impractical. It's not going to happen. And then second, how do we provide adequate border security at the border so it doesn't become a much larger number of people who are here without legal status? 
And we have to work on both of those. Well, gentlemen, it looks like we've just about reached the end of our program, and we'd like to invite our two guests, Senator Byron Dorgan and Senator Steve Neville, to share their closing thoughts and contact information. And Senator Dorgan, since I interrupted you, we'll start with you. Well, this is a hard uh, issue. I mean, if it were easy, I assume it would have been resolved a long time ago. Congress would have passed bipartisan legislation that would that would have been smart and thoughtful. But it's not easy. It's hard. It's very controversial, very difficult, and the result is Congress has simply been completely unable to address it. And the president took some action. I support the action he took. I think it's reasonable. I think it's uh, you know to, to to not want to break up families is a thoughtful thing to do. Um, but would I prefer Congress pass legislation? Yes, I would. I hope they do because uh, they have that opportunity and, and, and also they have that responsibility. Well, Senator Dorgan, if our listeners like to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? I have a website, and I think it's www.byrondorgan.com. They're certainly welcome to do that. Very good. Thank you. And Senator Neville? Well, uh, one of the things the senator said is it was a thoughtful thing to do, uh, to do, and I agree with that. That was a, but thoughtful is not necessarily constitutional, and that's a real critical point because that's what protects the American people, the American way of life, and we need to make sure that the constitutionality of everything we do is upheld because ultimately that is how our country will survive and maintain its standard of living and our way of life. Is we have to keep that constitution strong and in the forefront front of our uh, of our laws and the operation of this country. We can't deport 12 million people. I agree with that wholeheartedly. We need to be compassionate to the young people that are that are part of those families uh, and try to do everything we can. But it is already, uh, if you want to see what this problem is, take a Saturday night and go to an emergency room down in southern New Mexico or El Paso or wherever you want to go, and you can see what the problem is as far as how it's affecting the folks in, in the United States. I've been to, to the senator's state uh, in the western part of his state where the oil boom is going strong, and he has got a large, large number of illegal immigrants up there working. And at some point, as the oil prices decline or whatever, they will have an economic problem as far as dealing with illegal immigrants in North Dakota as well. It's going to be a national problem. It already is, already is a national problem. You can go anywhere in the country and start to see that uh, illegal immigration has permeated our entire population, and it's going to continue to be a big problem. Thank you. Oh, as far as getting hold of me, uh, state capital in New Mexico is a good place, uh, or I have a website. It's stevenevillenm.com. Great. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. We appreciate you being on the show today. I'm Craig Williams, and that brings us to the end of our show. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi for their next podcast, covering the latest legal topic. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.